0: Welcome to Running with the Aggies, a podcast going in-depth with the UC Davis cross-country program, giving Aggie fans an inside look into the life of our Davis distance runners.
3: Hello and welcome to Running with the Aggies podcast. I am Emma Peterson and I am the head cross-country coach at UC Davis. I am so excited to introduce you to our two guests for today's podcast. We are extremely lucky to welcome our former UC Davis head cross country coach Sue Williams and Aggie great Patty Gray Bell. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. You're Thanks. You're welcome. To be here, yeah, you're welcome. So I think I could probably fill the podcast by just talking about the accolades and success that you two have had in coaching and running, um, but I'll keep this short because I do want to get around to talking about you and what you've been up to since your uc davis days and what you did during those uc davis days so for those who don't recognize the name sue williams and uc davis cross country come hand in hand sue came to uc davis in 1972 does that feel like yesterday sue it does yeah Uh, and you came to coach volleyball Um, and then in 1973 you started the women's cross country club team The club team quickly grew into a competitive program within their AIAW and I had to look up what that was because I I didn't know until today. So Association for Intercollegiate Athletics for Women and later you became an NCAA powerhouse team. In 1991 you also became the head cross country coach for the men's team. um, Something that's very close to my heart since I'm the men's and women's head cross-country coach Um, and you made 16 straight appearances with the men at ncaa championships finishing fourth on one occasion your women's team success is phenomenal gathering 20 conference titles over 22 years and earned 21 national top 10 finishes sue has coached 80 all americans and was the national coach of the year in 1980 and was named ncaa coach of the decade After 29 years of coaching the women and 14 years coaching the men, Sue retired from UC Davis in 2004. Wow. Uh, That to me is phenomenal. So you have a resume that is, I've never seen.
2: Well, um, that's all uh, brings back a lot of memories, but I I do have to add that keep in mind in all those races, I did not run a step. (laughs) (laughs) Those are
3: the athletes. So you were with them every step of the way. This is what I tell the athletes when they go off the starting line. (laughs) So as you may have guessed, Patty was coached by Sue and is one of the most successful Aggie athletes to graduate from UC Davis. A three-time NCAA individual title winner in the 3,000, 5,000, and 10,000. She's a Foothill High grad and came to Davis in 1980. And after just one year under Sue's tutelage, Gray was a national contender. You um, graduated from UC Davis, and then went on to finish second in the World University Games as well in the marathon. And then I think one of the things that is written about you more than anything is your amazing 1987 CIM marathon where you had to battle all conditions to win the title. Um, And you got to do that in Sacramento, which I think is super special since it's just down the road from Davis. Um, I think you two women are pioneers of the sport, and I think your achievements at UC Davis are phenomenal, and it's something I really want to celebrate. So there's a ton of stuff we could talk to, but the first thing I really want to delve into is how did you both end up at Davis?
2: Well, um, I was uh, coaching at the University of Arkansas, and uh, this was back in the you know, really late 60s and early 70s. And there was a, I'd grown up in Arkansas and Texas, and there was a lot going on culturally at that time. You know, the Vietnam War was picking up. Um, we had sexism in all aspects of society, including the sports. We had racism. And I think all those things led me to just want to do, go someplace different and experience something different other than Arkansas. And then, um, you know, and I was 26 years old and I heard that song, Are You Going to San Francisco? (laughs) And I thought, okay, sure. (laughs) I mean, it was a quick decision, but part of it was also, too, that, um, you know, there was very little women's sports going on at the college level at that time. It was almost non-existent because this is just pre-Title IX. So, uh, but the West Coast was a hotbed of women's running at oh, the Olympic level. I didn't so know. when the position came up uh, on the West Coast, I took it.
3: Absolutely. Um, and you, you ran track as well? Or did you come into coaching as a, where did you get your interest in picking up track and cross country?
2: <laughs> well, um, I did not run track because there were no girls sports. No, women's sports. Yeah, I did play college basketball. I mean, a high school basketball, which was a serious sport, and that's in Arkansas. And I had a coach who made us run, and I discovered that I liked running better than I liked bouncing basketballs. I would agree. <laughs> that's really a sophisticated <laughs> answer.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's a great answer. Um, so, when you were on campus, did you have a lot of interest from the athletic department about getting a cross country team going? Or would, I know that Pam Gill Fisher was an administrator at that point and she was a, leading the way for UC Davis's equality and women's sport. But who was the person who kind of said, hey, let's start a cross country club?
2: Well, that was me um <laughs> because um i really wasn't um didn't have much background to be a volleyball coach um and um i felt we couldn't have a very complete track program without a cross country program and distance running was something i was very interested in anyway distance training so um i met with the athletic director at that time joe singleton and he gave me the criteria we had to meet uh to Um, even be considered to be an ICA sport and showing interest on campus was one of them. So we started a club
3: on campus and try to find people to join. Is that how you started it? Yes. Wow.
2: Kind of hung out our shingle, advertised it in the Aggie newspaper and it really encouraged every single athlete on the women's track and field team to join the cross country club every one of them
1: I know about how Sue encourages
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's just persuasive you know so uh, pretty soon
1: you're doing it and you're happy about it
3: (laughs) Patsy were you recruited to UC Davis by Sue or did you find UC Davis who who went first no
1: actually I wasn't recruited by anybody um, to be an athlete anywhere Uh, I was okay in high school but not a stellar athlete And what attracted me to UC Davis was the academics. I really felt strongly about going to a UC and the academics at Davis is what attracted me. And then going to visit there, uh, just it felt right. Um, John Bochaster was a coach at my high school for a few years before he went to Davis, but I had kind of lost contact with him, but I knew he was there. And so that was a factor, but really, truthfully, I just wrote Sue a letter um, before coming, like in the summer before I was supposed to start at Davis, telling her how badly I wanted to run college track and that I wasn't that good, but I really wanted to run. And she said, and I wish I still had this postcard, but she wrote me a postcard and said, it's my job to worry about how fast you are. Come on up for preseason training.
3: And oh my god the that's, rest is history <laughs> that's a great story <laughs> so, I do wish you had that postcard but
1: <laughs> yeah I had it for a long time and I don't know what happened to it but I will tell you that Sue is very good at developing runners and I feel really fortunate to have landed at Davis for that reason um, she not only helped me develop as an athlete and a person but so many other runners and if you look at like Linda Summer Smith, she um, was recruited by Sue because one day we were out practicing, and she saw Linda run by an adult fitness class and grabbed her, and then Linda ends up going to the Olympics. So you know, she was just really good at spotting people who might enjoy racing and might be talented at it and then developing us, and that was just a really fun thing to be a part of.
3: That sounds like just the type of atmosphere that I'm trying to create. So um, Sue was pioneering the way all those years ago. Did your friends and family have, like, what were they thinking about you going to run in college? Because like, at the time, I'm sure it wasn't, you know, oh, are you sure you want to do that? Like, did you have those reactions? Or was it, hey, Patty, go run, like, enjoy college running?
1: No, my high school coach really encouraged me because he knew I was struggling. And he just, pr- I made me promise that I would try it and my parents were super supportive and it's something I always wanted to do. Um, I think like people paved the way because I was on that first wave after Title IX. When I was a freshman in high school I ran on the boys team because there wasn't a girls team and then Title IX passed and all of a sudden we had girls teams, um, although we had to go around and beg people to fill the team. <laughs> um, so it was just something I was always passionate about and always wanted to do. So I don't think anybody thought it was strange, uh, at the time, at least for me. Uh, yeah.
3: Yeah, I think maybe like you said, being on that second Wave Writer's Title nine hit, um, yeah, now it's, it seems to me that we're almost at a point where women have that equal competitive options in college and it's you've seen the difference in how fast people are now running with all these investment and opportunities for them but looking at your times patty they still stand on some of our record books so um (laughs) you really truly were fast (laughs) Um, now you've both talked about it already, but and I'm sure that Sue has done did an amazing job cultivating you know this atmosphere of care and success and growth, and you know that mindset of creating champions and also great people when you do graduate. Um, but where? what kind of core values did you really want to see in your team, Sue? Like what was, what were you looking for in maybe the people you brought to your team and also then when they were on there, what did you want to see from them?
2: Well, you mean in recruiting or? Um, in both. I we think. did after they got here.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we tend to really, you know, you look for that specific athlete because you know what your team culture is, and you mm-hmm. know who's going to fit in and who's not. And mm-hmm. you ended up with not only it seems great people, but great athletes as well. And so, what was your approach into doing that and really building that team from from nothing to so successful and in a really short period of time? Yeah, you know, it amazed me too. We yeah. <laughs> <I>
2: went from. <laughs> Let's see, 1980, I think we were fourth in the conference in Christmas. We were. That was my freshman year. That was your freshman year. And then the next year we were fourth in the nation.
1: Mm-hmm. That's and
2: that was very gratifying. Um, and... Um,
1: it was to me, too, because I did not like being fourth in the conference at all. <laughs> and there's your answer. <laughs> Competitive
3: people. That's,
1: that's who you recruit
2: people. <laughs> who I, you know, when I was recruiting people, i like to meet their parents if I could, but really what I was looking for was people who really, really wanted to run. Yeah. And I just figured, well, then we're going to, we'll get better, <laughs> you know? And um, we had a team talk after that fourth in the conference and we had, had a lot of fun. It was a fun season and we found our focus because we sat on that grassy strip, you know, between the track and the main building of Hickey. Mm -hmm. that's where we sat and we decided that that was not going to happen to us again because it was fun but it didn't feel good to place fourth in the conference and we didn't have to do much we just had to work harder than other
3: people yeah that's amazing I think our women's team went through something very similar this year just realizing that it's not nice sometimes not to perform how you thought you could and then coming back and really doing well um i think also you were on the team with linda is that right patty so was that Mm -hmm. often we find that you know when you've when you've got people who are really good and get to train with each other that just makes things even better even quicker so was that a factor in just having great athletes to train with and Sue for you having definitely
1: I think the combination was great coaching awesome teammates and also really good competitors Mm -hmm. Um, some of my best friends were competitors from other teams and Sue always taught us that our competitors were our best friends because (laughs) they were the ones that would pull us to greatness and we would pull them too and So there was a lot of camaraderie, not just on our team, but within the circle of runners that uh, we all competed against with every week or every few months. Um, Definitely, we worked hard as a team, no doubt. But it was so much fun, and I think that was the other secret sauce is I loved going to practice. I loved seeing my teammates. We laughed. We did work hard, but we did a lot of silly, crazy things too. And so <laughs> so it was just that feeling that you get when you want to be somewhere and the hard work is rewarding and the friendships are lasting. And yeah. that's, I think, the secret. The whole idea
2: of core values, mm-hmm. I could go on for a long, long time because it, it just all builds up on each other. And Patty's you know you'll want to jump in on a lot of this because you were on the receiving end of it but you know the values keep building on on the athletes Um, um, like failure you know an aggie runner accepts failure and sometimes welcomes it because sometimes you're failing because you took a risk you tried something and that's a good kind of failure you know, good failure. There is such a thing. And sometimes there's failure because you shot yourself in the foot and talked yourself right into failure. And you come out of that a better runner too. So that was a core value. And the pad, the one Patty mentioned about opponents and, um, cherishing your teammates, not just, Oh, Hey, here's the gang, cherishing your teammates. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Tight, tight teams. Which brings us to another core value. Every single race, every single time you go to the starting line, you're going to have a good race. You can do that every single race of the season. And a lot of people, I think, equate having a good race with how fast they were. But you can't always control that. Some days you just kind of don't click quite as well. And sometimes other people are running faster. You can't always control that. But what you can control is that every time you go to the line, you give yourself, you're, you're going to the line to give your teammates everything you have to give. And if you had a what some people would call a bad race, but you really toughed it out and got a couple people, you should tell yourself, I had a good race today because I didn't feel like it, but mm-hmm. I did it. You know? I do
1: remember Sue telling us that the most important person yep. on the team for that day would be the person who maybe wasn't having their best day because that person really needed to hang in there for everybody else. I yep. do remember that talk.
3: Yep. <laughs> I'm believing um, it. Yeah. I like having Sue to talk to. I, I Whenever I talk with you, Sue, I feel like I come away inspired and I just want to go over to the team and start telling these things that you say. <laughs> the words of wisdom. Thank you, Sue. Um,
2: let's see. I, I want to mention one more thing that is an Aggie, mm-hmm. uh, and these core values. Like I say, I could go on a long time. Uh, but, um, you, uh, in running and life, um, you race with your brain turned on people, you know, it's not, there's a lot of people who train hard and have talent, but you can beat them because racing, you make decisions, not reactions. You know, it's a, uh, Racing like life is a matter of making choices. You get out in that race and you decide, you know, not, uh, oh, you're not feeling so good or, oh, you really are secretly afraid of this hill or uh, there's somebody in front of you you've never beat before and you're convinced you can't again. It's like uh, it's a matter of making choices. You make choices in races. You decide what you're going to do. So
1: that's a core value. Completely agree with that. That wasn't just a value, though. That was something that we practiced. So Mm -hmm. it's not something that Sue just told us. It's something that we actually practiced in workout Mm -hmm. without even maybe knowing it so that when the race came, those decisions were almost automatic, Mm -hmm. even though we were thinking, Sue.
2: (laughs) so uh yeah and having fun and um and I think the last core value that I I could mention so many but is that college running is very special you know every time uh, you go to a workout every time you go to a race that workout will never happen again in time that race will never happen again when your college running is done you have a lot of running out in front of you but cu- it's not the same.
3: All right, that is a yeah. contract. So it's
2: very special, and that's to be cherished too.
3: Yeah, I think we talk a lot about gratitude for the opportunities we have on a daily basis. And I think you can sometimes get caught up in the the speed of being a student athlete. You know, you're always going, you're always looking at the next race. If you have a bad one, well, there's the next one. So, you know, but sometimes you need to stop, slow down and kind of think about the process each day, how lucky you are to do what you're doing each day.
0: Mm, yeah,
1: that's true. Patty, did you have one to add, Patty? That I
3: didn't values?
1: Get. No, I think we covered them, but um, we'll probably cover more when we get to uh, some of the things that developed our culture on the team and our mm. traditions.
3: oh well, there's one I've heard of the uh, the TLS doll, and I, I'll say tough little, and then people can fill in the blank on what that's going to be. But Sue so talked a lot about that to me, and um, that is a, a very cool tradition. Um, Yeah, and I think I was going to ask, like, how much of what you were doing, was it based upon, you know, we were doing so well as a team, that success just rolled into the next season, and the next season, because for, to go that many years, and Sue, you, you had obviously Patty's year group, and the four years she was there, but then you had Susie Jones come through, and the talent she brought to the team, um, Jen Thatcher, and, Um, and then on the men's team, like Mark McManus, and, you know, that first year when you took over the men's team, finishing fourth at nationals, like all those cultures that you, you brought together, the teams that you coached, like I'm sure there was developing and wonderful experiences in each group, but, um, what were some of the fun things that you can remember from those days? Patty, I think you should take this one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sort of embarrassed to talk about some of them because you have to remember when I went to Davis I was 17 and so it was pretty young and we just did a lot of silly things. Uh, And so um, I think right away to help us identify as an Aggie, like what is an Aggie, it's kind of hard to picture that and I don't think that Mustang was really used much back then so I'm pretty sure Sue came up with this one, but all of a sudden we were the flying swine. And so we got really into pigs. (laughs) And we had a hidden flying swine on all of our T-shirts, and we had pig stuff everywhere and wore overalls. And then, you know, we had things like, Sue had this Mickey Mouse award, that went to someone who did some stupid thing over the season, and it was more coveted almost than winning nationals to get the Mickey Mouse (laughs) (laughs) we had Halloween runs where we would dress up on Halloween and run through campus and I can still remember what my roommate Francie and I dressed up as and all that stuff and so we just had a lot of fun team dinners um, and all that kind of thing Uh, we also had a lot of unofficial things that were with the men's team like we did a lot of A lot of dancing, actually. You know, get-togethers, potlucks. Um, We always had. It seemed like a party after a big meet at someone's house, and we all just dressed up in to some theme, um, something silly like Revenge of the Nerds, and we'd pull something out of our closet or Killer Bees, and we'd all dress up with something named B and go dance all night. And so we just had a lot of fun together, but we did definitely work hard together too. So it was that blend of things. But the one thing that we started that I don't know if Sue remembers this, but it was my junior year and it was during preseason when we were deader than dead after a few days of doubles and all that. And I was laying on the uh, floor of my apartment and my teammates, um, Francie Negri and Deb Fairness, which we called Deb Barnyard. Everybody had a nickname, of course. Um, We um, were talking about sororities and We were kind of making fun of them at practice, and Sue gave us one of her little talks about how we were really kind of like a sorority, and we probably should be a little more open to other people's choices, and so we decided to make our own sorority, and I looked up, and I saw a can of Pam on the counter of the kitchen, and I went, P-A-M. We're going to be Phi Alfalfa Moo, and that was developed, and I'm telling you, it's silly, and it's almost embarrassing, but we initiated all the freshmen into Phi, Alfalfa, alpha, Moo, and they had to do a pledge, and some probably silly song or skit, and I think that kind of took off for a few years, and probably fizzled after a while, but we sure had fun making up a lot of things like that, and I know um, those things are the things that bond people, uh, not only the hard workouts, and the shared sweat, and the team bands, and the road trips, but it's just the creativity, and the friendship that lasts.
3: Yeah, I think the, the way you talk about it, it's, you know, it's, it's special times, and I think you only really realize how special when you graduate, and, you know, you've done something amazing with a group of people, and they achieved a ton of stuff, so, yeah, I can, imagine how much fun you did have back then and I always say to the team unless you're you're not going to run fast unless you're happy and I think you know Mm -hmm. you you girls and guys when you had the guys join you I think that you know the the level of team camaraderie is what often can bring so much success and with Sue leading the way why wouldn't you have fun right (laughs) (laughs) so I want to kind of change angles here just because I I think we've got I I hope to include myself in this group but uh, a group of really women who have a a really great opportunity to influence people I think I'm very honored to coach men and women at UC Davis and I'm the only person or only coach in the Big West right now to coach the men's cross-country team Um, I think Sue I mean nobody has done what Sue has done in my opinion for UC Davis cross-country and Patty like you you went and won NCAA championships and you know, the the power that we have as females and um I think we we recognize it more today, but when you had these opportunities coming your way back in the eighties, like it seemed like you grabbed them and went with it. But I can't imagine that was very easy to do so i'd love you to talk to us a little bit about what it was like to be a woman in coaching and a a female athlete being successful because i think they're they're really important areas to look into and see how far we've come but what you have to deal with
2: well i guess i'll go with coaching first yeah (laughs) okay um I was lucky in a way in that uh, not too many people were going into coaching at that time quite yet um, with a passion because there wasn't, there weren't too many places to go in women's sports, you know, I've, as I've already mentioned. And then Title IX came along, but I grew up around, I was real close family, large family, it's Arkansas, but I had a, an uncle I was close to who was a passionate coach and I grew up around that. And that's what I wanted. It never occurred to me not to, you know, go, go for it and be that, even though there weren't many women coaches around, but there were a lot of women around who, whose passion and joy was women's sports. It just was not yet part of the NCAA. It was the AIW. And before that it was the DGWS. So these were women who cared very, very much about athletics.
3: And so that came along and influenced me too. Well, also, you had to deal with that movement when it did become NCAA sport, and all of a sudden, the women coaches are somewhat being pushed out of their role, which I think is so interesting, because you look at all the data, and everyone talks about, you know, the the downfall of women in coaching was funding of women's sports in the NCAA.
2: There's some truth in that, in that Title IX um, created a... A world of opportunity that changed women 's athletics when I see what women do now and what they did you know back in nineteen eighty um, it's astounding, but it also um, the in the requirement for equity raised the salaries of women coaches, mm-hmm. so um, more men became interested in, in coaching women right if you go back and look at the oh Division I and Division II uh, national champions since the NCAA took over, um, took over, started uh, being the only authorized organization to sponsor women's athletics at the college level. If you look at those teams that won it and the names of their coaches, I think in cross country, there were two women since
3: 1981.
2: Wow. in Division Two, there was one, and so that's absolutely true. What you said—that um, um, I think it's hard for women to get hired—and um, but I think it's shifting back around again.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm keeping well, my fingers crossed. Yes. When I was coaching at Mills College, a Division Three school in the mm-hmm. '90s. Whenever I went to a meeting with the other coaches in our area, I was always the only female. But I know that's changing. But it, and I, so it was just a thing. Um, I can speak, though, to what it was like being a female athlete during that first wave. And I'm grateful that I had the opportunities I had. And I was among the first. Like I said, we didn't even have a, a girls' cross-country team my freshman year of high school. And then coming to Davis in my freshman year, I ran in the last AIAW championship. And then in my sophomore year, I ran in the first NCAA championship. And so it was historic. Um, I think that some things that Sue did to help us prepare and handle uh, some of the things that we dealt with as women athletes were, uh, she really stressed a lot of, or, or talk to us a lot about how being competitive is, um, is and being strong as a woman is great, is awesome, and is feminine, or whatever you want it to be. It, um, because at that time, I know it's hard to imagine, but women were afraid to get muscles, or we were taught so much growing up that you um, must always cooperate, and, Being competitive isn't necessarily nice, but she taught us that it was awesome to be competitive and it was awesome to feel strong. And we really felt that. And she gave us permission to to be that strong athlete and that strong runner. And that was something that I think she had to work at just because of the culture of the time. And it is gratifying for me to see that changing now when I see so many girls in the weight room getting muscles and wanting to work out, and I see more women on the trails running now than I've ever seen. And so, so much has happened, and even my own young daughter, Emma, who's, well, now she's not so young, she's 23, but she was a pole vaulter and couldn't even pole vault when I was young. So um, just the growth and just that concept that women can be strong and strong is beautiful. was something that we had to
3: learn, and and I think we did a pretty good job of it. <laughs> we did. Well, that's also something that I was thinking about. That you won the ten thousand, Patty, and at the time when you did that, there wasn't even a ten thousand in the Olympics because it didn't come in until eighty eight, I believe. So, Sue, so you're there coaching a sport that you know women around the world just aren't running, and you're pushing your girls to run. To make this distance and be successful. And I think you ran maybe right on 35 minutes, I think, Patty, to win that. And you know, that's at the time, I'm sure that, you know, did you have people questioning, are you, you know, should these women be doing 10,000 or was it, did you have the support? Like, how did you even find the coaching knowledge to coach women at 10,000? Because there couldn't have been that much out there either.
1: Well, (laughs) you know, remember you asked me earlier about Linda. So, Linda and I were the top two in the nation going into that. And so, we raced each other at nationals. So, um, we had each other to push. And I didn't really think it was unusual to run the 10, um, although I thought it was a long way (laughs) on the track.
3: I think everyone thinks it's a long way. (laughs) Um, However,
1: what probably comes to my mind more about that was the Olympics, because in 1984, I Um, qualified for the 84 trials and that was the first time the marathon was going to be in the Olympics and the 10,000 wasn't even offered and so I was faced with a choice do I try to train for the three which I didn't really feel I had the speed for or jump all the way to the marathon so there wasn't a choice to run a five or a ten and there certainly wasn't a steeplechase Um, so I had to jump really far at a young age to have a chance to compete at the olympic level and sometimes i look back and think wouldn't it have been nice if i could have developed more into a 10 and then jump to a marathon instead of having to jump so fast so far even though i love the jump at the time
3: that seems like a huge jump to me Sue must have been giving you lots of miles on those long runs
1: <laughs> she with her bike, fiddling alongside.
3: <laughs> so one of the iconic pictures I think I found of you two is it must be at the end of a race, and Sue was holding a red shoe, and um, I think it might be at the end of the NCAAs, it was on your blog, Patty, and I, I think it's such a wonderful photo, you two look over the moon, and um, just thrilled that you know, UC Davis was producing athletes at this level, I think, in such a short period of time is such an achievement. But, um, you know, were there moments along the way where you ever had doubts, Sue, that, you know, the you, you wouldn't have females like being as successful in sports, just because opportunities weren't there? Or, did you see the doors opening as you were coaching at Davis for these, you know, five and 10 Ks to run. And I, I've also read somewhere that male coaches thought it might be a distraction to have females at the first NCAA championships. Um, You know, so you you had to face all of this. And I think like your bravery in leading a team through this as well, because, you know, they, everyone's looking to you when it's the first championships for women to be in. Um, you know, what, how did you approach those first NCAA championships?
2: Well, uh the first year that the NCAA hosted women's sports, I was named to the track combined now men's and women's track and field committee, which also governed cross country. So um, I was around uh, other coaches from across the country and then as the committee members it was our job to see that the national championships ran smoothly logistically and the ncaa did a good job of empowering the whoever it was it was on the committee has the final say folks and in terms of the distance races in track and field that was me so if coaches had an issue if they had a question if they thought something could be better they couldn't go to one of the men on the committee because the men were not in charge of the distance events, I was. And the NCAA did a great job of um, having the back of the people that they put in that position. Um, And then as far as taking a team there and figuring out coaching and how to compete well, um, our focus was not on the fact that this was the first ever national championships it that's was. so funny.
1: I was I mean, going to say the same was. thing.
2: Because it was, just happened to be the first NCAA national championships in that sport, for one thing. But the other part is the spirit's the same. You go into nationals to see how good you can be, to test yourself, period. And if you get the opportunity to test yourself against others who are also really good, that's a privilege. And that's what we were focusing on getting in front of other people.
1: I totally agree because I, at the time, wasn't thinking it was historical. I was just super nervous and I was worried because I was supposed to finish last. And I was focused on my job and my pace and my strategy and, and just on running my best race, which ended up being one of my best races. And that's so, what you go there for. <laughs> you right. Know? Yeah. And so... I'm glad that I still have the t-shirt and I'm glad that I'm a part of history and that we made history, but at the time we were just running and competing. And I think the men that were there that weren't used to us being there saw that and it worked out great. And they were supporting us and our teammates were there, all the men, the women, and it was wonderful.
3: I just think that's, you don't know it, but how powerful. To have UC Davis athletes winning championships in the first women's NCAA championships for me seems so special. Um, You know, I think oftentimes we're a smaller school and we're we're thought about as you know we're not going to bring that level of competitiveness. But I I think you've shown that at any level UC Davis can be the best and have the best runners, and I just love that. I think you two are you started it all, so you should be very proud of yourselves.
2: I want to, uh, it was always fun coming home cause that's when it sinks in what you pulled off Absolutely. Right and we'd be sitting on the airplane or something and I'd be sitting there going, dang, they did it. You know,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and we just went there to beat people if we could. And, um, I want to give a special heads up and thank you and kudos to the first men's team I coached at UC Davis. Um, because combining the program at that time was not typical, even though, you know, nationals had been combined a long time. Um, and really in cross country, my first season of coaching cross country, we actually took fourth at the conference meet because we had uh, four returning seniors who were top five runners on the men's cross country team. But we didn't have a fifth man, and so I talked to those four men after track season was over and about redshirting cross country, and I told them if they were on board with that, and then coming back, you know, for a fifth year, um, usually shirt as a freshman, not as a junior, <laughs> but and if their parents were on board with it, if they would do that, that I would have a fifth man for them by the next season, their first season back in. Because the men's team had not advanced out of the region to go to Nationals in many, many years. And I wanted that badly, and I knew they did too. They were really hungry. And those men agreed to do that, Hmm. to redshirt. And, you know, we got my job done was was to give them a fifth man that could close the back door so um,
3: the year after then they went on to finish fourth in the nation yes
2: and that was the year that we made it out of the region and they finished fourth in the nation because they had that hunger and that passion and uh, those men are kind of legendary in my mind
3: absolutely that's a huge huge jump um and i believe right on. now <laughs> That was I have chills listening to I that do, story. <laughs> it, it's a great story. So you, you start taking, you take on the men's coaching, the women finished second that year, the men finish fourth, you know, wh- you must've been turning heads. People must've been saying what what's in the water at Davis. How is this happening? <laughs> um, you, that to me, I mean, I, I, I dream of having success like that. So, um, you know, what, what was the reaction of the men kind of, you know, now all of a sudden this successful woman's coach is taking on us as well. Were they excited or did they, did you combine the two practices or did you have separate practices? Like how did you manage that next step?
2: Uh, well, in track, we kind of combined practices, but the, you know, the practices were different and I, uh, I hired one of the men that was on that team that took fourth at nationals to be my assistant coach and um so he um so we could conduct separate practices you know but sometimes usually we were same site um and but the men that i think it i think it was uh something the men looked forward to because they had seeing the success of the women's program. I think that covered a lot of the ground to make the transition easier. And I mean, there were some things to settle and prove in the way we interacted and, um, but uh, those men were awesome and they did some awesome things in their first seasons, especially, where they just took fire.
3: Absolutely. I don't know if I
2: answered that very well. No, no, you did.
3: I think that, you know, your your athletes are the, the best person to describe you as a coach because, you know, they they see you day in, day out, and they see <laughs> the best of you and the worst of you, and Patty only has great things to say about you. So, you know, I think that the way you managed those teams in a time where, you know, you were successful as well, it it, it really shows that, you know, having... W- combining programs having a a coach for you know men and women can sometimes breed that culture of success and it seems to me like that that's what happened you had this momentum on the team from the women transferred to the men and Mm -hmm. you know you had great individuals and great teams and I'm sure Patty you look back at this time and think wow like I didn't realize how good that team was until Mm -hmm. you know you see what other teams do in the future.
2: It was a smooth transition Really, there were some little blips, but um, you know the core values, the men fit right into that i mean that's just that's just runner values. it wasn't for the women's team only, and um, they bought in, and the two teams contributed a lot to each other, I think, in terms of attitudes and um, uh, so it was just um, it was it was a real good. Combination and a lot of fun. Wow!
3: (laughs) Yeah, I think today, like my approach to training is that they're athletes. They're not men. They're not women. They're just athletes. When I'm looking at the training, I'm writing it to each athlete. And you know, it's we hold practices. Every single one of them are together. Like, of course, they're doing different things. But just like you say, I think there's so much power in bringing everyone together who has that drive to be on the team and be a great athlete. And I've found great success in having, um, you know, there's there's some opportunities where we're even doing somewhat similar workouts and to see, you know, the differences of where it pushes the guys a little more because they see how fast the girls are going. um, I think that that's a nice stimulus for training. Um, But yeah, I think what the, the history of UC Davis cross country, I think is so rich and, know it was probably a an amazing experience to be part of it at the start but as you were building momentum and you know all those years how many years did we say it was it was twenty nine years of coaching the women's team like you have seen everything in running right now like at that point when you've got athletes of all different abilities like who are some of the people who just stick with you obviously Patty's one but um you know those relate like those people who who did things that you never thought they could do or um who just take took that leap of faith and had success like do you have anyone who just stands out to you (laughs) i'm putting you on the spot here you are
1: because there
3: i remember everyone who ran at
2: uc
1: davis i was gonna have to say how long can her list be? Because I can think
3: of a yeah, huge you list in just my own time. List them, list them off. I want to hear who who was mm. who were the great this, runners of UC Davis. Like who are the people? Everybody who- that
1: came on the team was great. It everybody was great in their own way. Um, some people maybe won championships, but everybody achieved greatness in yep. my time, and I'm sure after my time, we just had an amazing group of runners and teammates and definitely i know i wouldn't have been a national champion without my teammates absolutely not it just i really
2: um i I can't name a single person in either because every single person i coached was a hero at some moment and when we tried to in our team meetings on mondays we tried to Bring you know honor that. I'll mention. Let's see, Antoinette Marsh, who came Nettie Marsh, who came out for cross country because she had been in a badminton class of mine that I taught, and I told her that she needed to work on getting in better shape (laughs) because she did. She wasn't an active person, so she came out for cross country, and by track season. She ran a race up at Chico State, the last chance to qualify for the conference championships in the 10,000 meters. And she was the only person entered in the race. And every person on the women's team was circling the track, cheering for Nettie for every lap of the 10,000 meters. And she qualified by herself with her teammates. See, that's a hero. And every person on the team, I can tell you something like that about them.
3: That's wonderful. So
2: there you go. I could too.
3: I <laughs> verify that. Yeah. Well, I hope this is bringing up nice memories for you both of everything that you got to do together and that Sue, you went on to do after Patty had graduated as well.
2: Can I say one more thing?
3: Oh, of course.
2: Get good grades yeah <laughs> that was always a core value we always had a team meeting on how to stu- you know how to get grades and one of the proudest achievements i have was that uh you know uc davis like many universities keeps track of team gpas and for a long time the top 10 team gpas at uc davis eight of them were women's cross country
3: Right, well, I can assure you that's carried on. Since I've been here, we've won the, yeah. the award for the highest GPA. So, um, And then
2: the men's team came on board with it. Yes. That came later in my career, of course.
1: But the men's team were the same thing, so. Well, and that's the one thing I really enjoyed about being an athlete at Davis was we were student athletes. Our athletics complemented our studies and our studies complemented our athlete, athletics. And that's how it should be and I feel privileged that I was at a place that honored that and celebrated it, and I hope that spirit still continues because I think that is so important in the collegiate level.
3: Absolutely. And it and it does. We have some incredibly smart people currently on our team. They amaze me every day with the knowledge they have and going into an amazing variety of majors. I think that's one of the most wonderful things about UC Davis. I've never seen a school that offers so many different biology majors and so many different other science majors. It's quite incredible. So... Um, I I totally agree. And I think we attract that type of athlete to Davis because they know that they can balance the academics and the athletics and be Mm -hmm. successful in both. And and that's that's what I'm looking for in that recruit and that person to be part of our team and part of our family. Um, Yeah. I feel like I just don't want this to end. Like we have been talking, mm-hmm. I, I could talk to you ladies all night about running and how you were so successful. Um, but I think, you know, we, we have to end it at some point. So one of the things that um, I'm I'm trying to kind of gather for our athletes right now is how to stay motivated during this time. And I think you two might have words of wisdom for, like we're not getting to compete you know no one's Mm -hmm. getting to race an NCAA season this fall how how challenging that can be to not have feedback from all the training you're doing Um, and you know we've found that you can stay motivated to a certain point, but then you do need some kind of stimulus to feel like, hey, I'm making progress. So what advice would you have to runners on our team and runners out there who, you know, don't have that opportunity to race right now, but still are putting in the work day in, day out?
1: Well, I would definitely say to continue what you're doing. It sounds like your team is really supporting each other in that you're making goals and keep doing that and maybe reach out even to your competitors and do the same. Um, I don't know if there are unofficial ways you can, you know, like post a two-mile time or something like that on the internet. You know, I, I see people being very creative about that. And I'm sure there are some things that can be motivating to have some sort of a kind of a competition. Um, I also think of it as a time to work on those things that you'd never have enough time to do. Like what are your weaknesses? Think about that and build that into a strength because you're get, you're granted this time right now to sit back and say, what is it that will make me complete as an athlete? And I have this golden time to get that done, and I would focus on that. And then, of course, um, celebrate your time together. And make the most
3: of it, I think it's great advice. Sue, what do you have to offer to this
2: I re- I recognize this the challenge to the current athletes. Um, but I guess I would say to you, uh, racing is coming, so it's this is one of those times it's it's about choices, so you choose to prepare and have a a better foundation than you've ever had when the speed work comes. Uh, you're making some choices and keep that in mind. But racing is coming and I wouldn't be surprised if it's this coming track season. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, But I would also say to you, borrow that line from the musical Hamilton, don't throw away your shot. Mm -hmm. You've (laughs) only got a shot at this in college and don't throw it away because you couldn't get out the door and do something meaningful you came to this because you have a passion for running. So tap into it. You know, teammates can meet each other and do a time tempo run on the same course and spread themselves a minute apart, you know, keep all, you know, but everybody's comparing times. All right, how'd you do? How'd you do? All that can be done with social distancing. Um, and I would be focusing, um, I. Totally concur with Patty on focus on your weakness, but also focus on how much fun it is just to run. And the best, to me, base to develop is not long, slow distance, but sustained tempo running. That's what I would be doing right now. You know, just below anaerobic threshold, um, get in some good hill work, and click along and put in a good. Reasonable quality, 30-minute run. You know, the kind of run that just really feels good to do it, and then it feels good when it's over.
3: Wow, you're inspiring me to get out and run right now. No, I think I need to go run. So,
2: (laughs) So, (laughs) So. you're doing that mid-tempo work, and it's good work, it's good, strong work, you are ready to launch into anything from that kind of base. Don't throw away your shot. And then when you host your first cross-country meet or track meet, Some of your teammates lost their shot. They didn't throw it away. They lost it. And you bring those teammates back and you pull them into the fold and you put them in a special team t-shirt, class of 2019 cross country. And you stand up in front of them and say, we are dedicating this race to you. So don't forget those who did lose their shot.
3: We, may, I can see us doing that. That seems like some pretty amazing advice to me, and and I think it's just you know it's getting through this time exactly like you say. There will be races again, and, yes, and you know things will go back to normal. And I think the team that gets through this. The best with positivity and keeping on that momentum and culture that's what we're always saying to our team that if you can help each other get through this then we're going to come out of the other side ready to pick off just where we left off and i can tell you where uc davis cross country just left off is pretty darn exciting
1: mm-hmm.
3: so, um hopefully we'll be emulating some of the national championship visits that you had in the past I've I
1: loved- have no doubt you will. Oh, I can't wait to come watch.
3: <laughs> we welcome everyone to come watch. The more people that will come and watch us, the better. Um, we have We've resurrected the meet at Wild Horse again, um, which ha- was a great success last year, um, named in honor of Sarah Sumter. So um, we, we want to keep that going. And we're very excited to see what our new athletes who have just joined our program are going to add to what we had last year as well. Um, lastly, I'm going to end it with asking you both. What's the most special thing about being a UC Davis Aggie? You're both quiet. Does that mean there's, there's too many things to talk about?
2: My, mine is, boy, all the athletes, just the privilege of being around all those people who just want to have this drive to find out how good they can be. That's what was so special about it. It was so consistent from our fastest runner to every runner on the team. They all had, they wanted to see how good they could get. Patty, you take
1: it. I think it's the same theme that I opened up with of why I went to Davis, and it's just that you can take so much pride in being a true student athlete, and the other thing is just you're always bonded. You are always an Aggie. You will always be an Aggie. The Aggie spirit will live in your heart, and the friendships that you've developed with your coaches and your teammates and your competitors are going to be the strongest that you may have in your whole life, so... Um, hold on to that and um go
3: eggs (laughs) what a great way to end this podcast ladies thank you so much patty gray and sue williams you are true pioneers for uc davis and for cross country in general and i thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today
1: thank you for having us
2: yeah thanks for inviting us
0: thanks for joining us on today's podcast If you enjoyed this podcast, please share with your friends and consider visiting give.ucdavis slash ICAI and click on the cross-country link to help support the program. Go Ags! The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack.